Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Time for us to have our weekly check-in with what is going on in the United States. And Reggie Giacchini, our Washington correspondent for Global News, is with us. Good morning, Reggie. Good morning. I, I don't think there's anything going on down in the States today, is there? Like, it seems quiet day. Quiet, it's over. really quiet. Uh, we're being sarcastic, of course, because yesterday came the bombshell that uh, former President Donald Trump is facing criminal charges. He has been indicted. So, Reggie, what is this all about? This is a big deal, Simi. Never before in American history has a former president, uh, a current president, faced indictment for charges. They're often kind of protected by shields or unwritten rules that you never go after a, a president for anything um, when it comes to to kind of criminal nature. Uh, and here we are now with Donald Trump facing what could be dozens of charges in this sealed indictment. We don't know what's inside the indictment. That'll be unsealed when he's arraigned likely next week. But it all stems from what appears to be uh, falsified business records linked to payments made to women to keep alleged affairs quiet, facilitated by Michael Cohen, the Manhattan, Manhattan District Attorney's star witness. Um, you know, and the question is, if there are dozens and dozens of charges here, what do they all link back to? And does this mean that there has been other information presented to the grand jury that could potentially delve much further into maybe Trump's business practices than anyone knows? Okay, a couple things here. So one, this, this seemed to come as a surprise to people because we'd heard that it might not happen for a couple of weeks, right? A surprise not just to the public, but also to the former president. His team, in two different thought trains, thought, number one, that the case may be falling apart because the Manhattan DA wasn't talking, but also they were supposed to go on a break, and it was talked about that they weren't meeting about things to do with Donald Trump. And for weeks, we've been saying the grand jury meets behind a closed door in almost total secrecy. So everything is kind of based on very, very minimal leaks if they exist. This was a shock to everyone. Wow. Okay. And this is only one case, isn't it? Because the Justice Department has one. The state of Georgia has one. Yes. Uh, so there are some legal experts who say that this could potentially open the Pandora's box here of uh, of how politics is going to move forward, intertwining with the judicial process. Because you're right, there are big cases that the former president is up against uh, in Georgia. This has to do with his attempts to overturn the election in that state. And a special grand jury has already recommended an indictment. We're waiting to find out how Fannie Willis is going to move forward with a potential indictment. The uh, ongoing investigations with the federal side, with the uh, January 6th uh, 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 insurrection. That is uh, also something the former president is facing, along with the mishandled classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, where his lawyer had to turn on him at the end of last week and testify before a grand jury. Okay, you kind of need a spreadsheet to keep all these straight about what is going on here. So Georgia is about pressuring Georgia election officials, right, to overturn the results? Yes, that's when the former president made a phone call to the Secretary of State saying we need to find 11,000 and some odd votes. Okay, and then the Justice Department is about the insurrection around that and the classified documents. And what we're hearing now with this indictment, this is about the so-called hush payments, 
This is the so-called hush money payments and a possible link back to falsified business records, which in New York are felonies. But if the falsified business records are being used to conceal another crime, something like a campaign finance violation, which Michael Cohen went to jail for because he was convicted of it, that could bring this up to huh. a felony. But there are dozens and dozens of charges. So that's the question. What else is going on here? Okay, so what is happening now then? So if he was indicted in uh, Manhattan in New York City and he is in Florida, what happens now? Well, he was in Florida last night almost acting like nothing was happening. He went out for dinner with Melania. He met with some supporters and people within his inner circle. Uh, he is expected in New York to be arraigned likely uh, on Tuesday is what we're hearing. And the, the, the prosecutors want to treat it like any other case as much as they can. He will be fingerprinted, he will be photographed, uh, and he will have charges read against him before a judge. He will likely then be released on his own recognizance to appear back whenever the next court case happens. This is now going to start a domino effect of how this trial is going to take part. It's also put police in New York on full alert. All members of the police department have been told to show up in uniform today uh, because remember Trump himself right. put on his social media account, quote, unquote, death and destruction will happen if an indictment comes forward. Oh, boy. OK, that's just one story out of the United States in this past week. Another is, of course, the shooting that happened in Nashville. There is just so much going on with this, like a lot of politics involved in this, too, Reggie. There's politics involved in any uh, uh, gun-related matter or story in, in this country. Uh, and, and once again, the question is, uh, what can be done to stop uh, weapons, uh, assault weapons being in the hands of ordinary citizens? Uh, because you had this person walk into a uh, religious school, a Christian school, kill three uh, staff members, faculty members, three children in and around nine years old before that person ultimately died uh, during a shootout with police. Republicans pushing back, saying, Again, now is not the time for politics to play into the conversation on on weapons. Democrats are saying, look, we need to do more. The form, uh, the president has said that he's exhausted what he can do when it comes to executive action, calling Congress to do something. Republicans pushed back and said, there's nothing left for us to do. So we basically need to move forward. That is why this becomes a cyclical conversation. Okay, so there's that. And a couple of the stories we wanted to talk to you about this morning, too, like, and this one kind of fell under the radar, I feel like, even though so many people have a vested interest in this one. And this has to do with the subject of the first season of the serial podcast, Adnan Syed, who had his murder conviction reinstated. On a technicality. Uh, what essentially what happened here is he this 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 conviction is only going to basically be put back in place for a very short period of time and it's because uh, the victim's family wasn't given enough time to be able to come to the court to be able to take part in the hearing on his release they were essentially told from what we understand the night before uh, and they had to appear via zoom so it's kind of the question of you know is technology in the courts are they kind of in tandem yet uh, and because they didn't have enough time and they wanted to be there and victims' rights obviously are an important part of the judicial process, the conviction was reinstated so that they can essentially replay the hearing, reintroduce all of that evidence, and then explain uh, how it's going to happen and let the victim's family make a statement. So it is not a full conviction. It is likely he is not going back to jail, but it goes to show that there are still um, issues to be worked out in how courts move forward in this new technological era. Okay, that one is such an interesting one. It's this case that never ends. Uh, and as well, the story out of Idaho. Um, and, and this seems to be happening state by state, where every state seems to be coming up with some rules dealing with abortion. But this is a, this is a new one in Idaho. 
This is a new one, uh, which is going to make it impossible for anybody to assist uh, somebody in getting an abortion outside of the state. Uh, there are also far more kind of vile, uh, and, and apologies for the editorialness on this, but gross um, additions to what the state is trying to do, uh, especially if somebody is intending to get an abortion, somebody can file a lawsuit to stop that, including a possible rapist who may be the father will now be able to petition the court to stop somebody what? from getting an abortion. This what? is what the, this is what the state is trying to put forward now. We Idaho has some of the strictest uh, rules in place. They are slowly starting to you know allow abortion if there is harm to the mother or in cases of incest. But again, there are other parts of the uh, of the bill that are being rewritten once again. So you know it's making it more difficult for somebody in a state surrounded by other states that allow for abortion to take place to actually get a procedure that this person wants. Okay, but that that one that rule seems like way too far. Way too far. Like and I've heard about other ones happening in some other states too, like in what it just it just feels like having left this to the states now there's quite a patchwork of what's going on, isn't it? There is, and this was the concern after it was rolled back, after Roe v. Wade was rolled back uh, last summer, that it was going to allow for states to essentially go rogue with how they intend to move forward with their own legislation. Remember, too, we're also waiting on uh, a Texas judge to make his decision on whether or not medication abortion is going to be uh, outlawed across the country pending a likely appeals process. So it's getting more difficult, even in states where abortion is allowed, for a woman to be able to go out and safely access the procedure that she needs because states far away are trying to change the laws uh, of the land because there is simply no more constitutional right for a woman to take care of her body in the way that she deems it necessary. Also not giving doctors the chance either. I guess it sounds like legislators are going to be able to decide when a mother's life is in jeopardy. That's part of some of the amendments that are being written, especially in Idaho, where again, a doctor will come forward. And look, there are a lot of doctors right now who don't want to um, find themselves having to go to jail. So they're working kind of under the shroud of, of secrecy here to ensure that a woman can wow. get the, the care that she needs. Look, there are some private organizations that are now hiring small private planes to be able to fly women around because a private jet often doesn't need to register itself with passengers to land at a smaller airport. This is something that's now starting up around the country. It's costly, but this is where America is at in a post-row world. Oh, boy. All right, Reggie, thank you so much for all that. Thank you.